Am I hot? Have I got, what am I doing? People are wondering what the heck is going on. I've got a song. I have a song in my heart, but not on my show. Ha! All right. This is, uh, this is a little bit of seat, uh, seat of your pants, but we're excited to be doing it. It is uh, 1 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. You are listening to this American podcast, Comedy Edition, Special Edition. We are not, normally not on the uh, air. I don't know if it's on the air or on the cable or on the digital, on the satellite. Whatever it is, we're not on it at 1 p.m. Unless you're downloading a podcast, we're not live. But we are live today at 1 because we are awaiting any moment the arrival in our studio of uh, this weekend's headliners at the Scottsdale Laugh Factory. ScottsdaleLaughFactory.com. Rich Hall, legendary uh, uh, comic Rich Hall. Harris Pete whose name I believe I came across when I was re, uh, rereading uh, I'm Dying Up Here, the uh, story of the, um, the comedian strike at the comedy store in the late 70s, and our good friend Harry Basil, who, we were, uh, who I've known and I've spoken to personally many times and had the good fortune to interview via phone uh, a couple of months back, but they're all going to be in here live any moment. So um, we had announced that we were going to be on at 1 p.m., so we didn't want to start at 105 or 106 or 110 going because we know primarily most people will be listening to this uh, this show is a download today because we um, we had just decided last night. So we didn't really have enough time to get the word out that we we're doing a one o'clock show. But you know what? I think it's also good for us because uh, we, we are talking about expanding the show to uh, Wednesday going three days a week. We are, uh, what we're doing here, we're trying to do something a little unique. It's a podcast, for sure. But at the same time, we are trying to give it the same uh, panache, the same sheen as a uh, radio broadcast. So we've created an internet-based radio station that carries podcasts. And we wanted to do it right. We wanted the quality to be up. So um, so uh, uh, we started two days a week, and now we've gone to three I have a head in the door who's going to ask a question. Go ahead and ask that question. Tell Harry Basil to come into this room. Okay. Harry Basil may enter this room. So as I speak, ladies and gentlemen, this is very exciting. This is like, um, this is, you know what this is like? This is like a See It Now Edmund Murrow broadcast from London from the Blitz. And actually, there is news going on as we speak. It's like a press conference. And we're awaiting we're awaiting the arrival of Harry Basil. That's how I feel. I feel like I'm a. Uh, I feel like I'm a news podcaster, and I'm actually um, I, I'm announcing news as it happens. Entering the studio right now, ladies and gentlemen, Harry Bees. Harry Bees. Basil. Basil. Yeah, I was doing so well till you guys showed up. Harry Basil, Harris, Pete, Rich Hall, all three of whom are at the uh, Laugh Factory this weekend. Well, uh, Mr. Hall and Mr. Pete are performing. I am just here to support them. You're here to support them. Yes. You're not performing this weekend. No, I, I'm proud to say I booked them, and uh, and they're both good friends, and I'm here to hang with them. Well, you know what? We're just glad that you guys came in. Um, um, for those of you that uh, regularly listen or, uh, or download the podcast, you know that every Friday we uh, have the good fortune of having the very funny comics that Harry sends to the Laugh Factory into the studio. And today um, they asked if we could have a dispensation. If you were to get all Catholic about it, and that the uh, that you guys come in at one, so we're just we're just excited when we, and knowing who it was, we said, yeah, man, we want to do this show. So hi to you guys. How are you? Good. We're good. We're you, good. Sir? Thank you very much for having us. Well, Rich, thank you very much. You may not remember, and and there wouldn't be any real good reason for you to remember, but many years ago, uh, I had the uh, it, it, and I say good fortune once again of working with you for a week in Las Vegas at the Riviera Comedy at the oh, Riviera Hotel. I remember. Yes. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and. We did 21 shows a week at the Riviera. I know. Because there'd be three shows a night, seven nights a week. And, uh, like, and, we, had to, and we had to sell T-shirts. We had to sell T-shirts. Not only did we have to sell them, we had to sign them. Yes. Yes. There's somewhere in, in the world, there are T-shirts that people are hold, holding on to uh, that have your name written on them. Yeah. Those are horrid working conditions. Horrid working <laughs> conditions. You know, they... were a guy named Steve Sharippa. Steve Who, who Shir- went on to become a... Pretty well known in the, the, uh, Sopranos, the Sopranos, yeah. He yeah. Played, uh, and I believe had his own cooking show. For Bobby Bacala. Bobby Bacala, yeah. You know, he called me about a year and a half ago out of the blue. My phone rings. <laughs> I'm out here in Arizona, and, and I go, hello. He goes, 
Tony Visick, Steve, how the hell are you? And, and I hadn't talked to him maybe 10, 12 years. And um, I asked him, I go, so what are you doing now? And he was still on a show on ABC. He was on uh, The Secret Life of an American Teenager. Hmm. Was a te- I, and I go, I don't know what he goes. Why would you know it? It's a show for kids. I, I'm not insulted. Don't worry. And he started going down a list of people asking me if they were alive, many of whom weren't. But the thing is, usually uh, you would watch guys a couple nights. By the second night, you had seen a guy six times. Yeah. Even if somebody, but I watched you almost every night, and you put on um, stunning and controversial shows on many oh, of those nights. I walked a whole room one night at the Riviera. <laughs> you by, did. By you did. Before, were you, was that the week you were there? When I, the, oh, it was I was the, there. You, you walked it was the, the RV convention. No one told me there were a bunch of Winnebago owners. And I made some, you know, inconsequential joke about RVs, and and the whole no. crowd just went silent. And then, for some reason, that just angered me more. And by the end of it, I was just going, "Yeah, you know, I'll tell you why. Yeah, that guy's got a halo around his head on the back of your RV because he's dead. Because because you killed him. You ran him off the road. You senile, decrepit fossils. And they're just slowly wandering out, and wandering out. And pretty much, there's ten people left in the room. By the time was a, I get off stage, big room. yeah, I get off stage and and. Uh, they're, they're holding up the phone to me. It's Steve. He wants to talk to you. <laughs> Steve, this is all I hear from Steve. You must not want my kids to get an education. <laughs> what? He said, you know, I, I run this club so my kids can go to school someday, go to college, make something of themselves, and, and you just walk the room. So you don't want my kids to get an education? Be in my office tomorrow at noon. So I go up to his office the next day, figure I'm going to get fired. And uh, I'm sitting there in his office, and he's got these uh, all these photos of himself on the wall and everything, and he's yelling at me going, how to fire you. And I'm just looking at this one picture of him, Joe Pesci, and Robert De Niro in, in Casino. <laughs> Casino, because he was in that. He was yeah. cut, his scene was cut out. Yeah, and he's got a... No, he was he was in the... He was in it. He was in it, but the, the scene that he was supposed oh, to be... with him? Because he was out. in the bar scene when they beat up... Um, when they kill um, uh, uh, the guy who becomes Billy Bats in yeah. The Sopranos. When yeah. they kill him, he was in that... That was the scene that he was in. That scene got cut. Yeah. He had a, he had a, on the picture, he had a little engraved plate that said, uh, Casino starring Steve Sharippa, Joe Pesci, Robert De Niro, D-E-N-A-I-R-O. <laughs> so he's, he's yelling at me, just screaming at me, you know, and I'm just looking at this picture. <laughs> and he's abused me for like five minutes, and I, I just went, Steve, that's not how you spell De Niro. <laughs> D-E-N-A-I-R-O. And he goes, yeah, well, they got my name right, didn't they? <laughs> Did he fire you? No, no, no. He was not. He liked you very much. Yeah, he did like me. He just couldn't show it. Yeah, no. He had a. He was an odd guy. He had a. I guess he still is an odd guy. I have no idea. But he was uh, very um, brusque and abrasive and yeah. uh, intimidating and abusive. Some would be say yeah. to comics, but actually liked comics very much. Was very helpful. Yeah. To a lot of people. He's a great guy, and he and he's really funny. But he just has to put on this demeanor, I suppose. Yeah, he still kept booking that club. While he was on Sopranos, yeah, yeah, making all this money on Sopranos, and I called him. I got his phone number from John Caponera, right? And Caponera goes, "Don't tell him I gave you this number, you know." So I didn't know he was going to answer. I was just tr- calling to get booked. So uh, I hear his voice, and I go, "Oh my God!" He answered the phone. I go, "I'm trying to reach uh, Mr. Steve Sharippa. Who is this?" Um, Harry Basil. I'm a, I'm a comedian from Los Angeles. I wanted to submit myself. I know who you are, Harry. Who gave you this number? <laughs> and I dimed. I dimed. John Caminera. John Caminera. I'm sorry. Because <laughs> oh, he was just so intimidating, you know? I uh, I wanted to be, the night, the time that I worked with, and Harris, I just want to mention that I, I, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, I just reread, uh, reread I'm Dying Up Here, the history of the, uh, the story of the comedy store strike, and I believe I ran across your name. Yeah, my name's in there many times. That, that book's a bunch of crap. Is it a bunch of crap? A bunch of crap. Uh, he basically focused on getting his information from two people, Argus Hamilton and Tom Dreesen, who were on diametrically opposed sides of that strike. And they both tell very, very jaundiced uh, stories with their views. And the truth is somewhere in the middle. Yeah, well, you know, Argus won't even talk about it anymore. I mean, I know Argus, and, and, I, and he just he doesn't mention it. I think a lot of times when people are writing books and they interview people, you've all been interviewed uh, for some article or publication and read it later and go, that's not what I said, that's not what mm-hmm. happened. But the point is, I saw your name, that you have been, you were there kind of at the president of the creation in the late 70s. I got there in 77 Yeah, and, and, and was there until like uh, 2004. Yeah. So I saw everything, 
but you know you write a book about it and the book isn't as interesting as it was or the book is more fantastic than it was yeah so the truth is always somewhere in the middle and to get back to steve sharippa okay i <laughs> I, I left los angeles uh 10 years ago and uh i, I live in montana yeah and two years ago I'm sitting on the couch on a Saturday afternoon. The phone rings. Harris Pete, Steve Sharippa, where do you live? I said, I, I live in Livingston, Montana. What the hell are you doing there? I'm, uh, and he was like 30 miles from where I lived. And he goes, this place sucks. There's nothing to do here. I said, well, what are you doing here? He goes, I'm doing some fishing show. Oh, this is awful. I says, well, you know, you, you want to have dinner tonight? He goes, nah, they're going to take me back to Bozeman. i got to leave in the morning. How do you live here? Where does <laughs> Hall live? I said, Hall lives 10 miles from me. What the hell is he up here for? <laughs> and he just went on. And the glass was half empty to Steve as far Always. as Montana goes. Always, yeah. It was, you say it was a couple years ago? Yeah, two years ago. Because it was about two years ago when he called me. It was out here, and he's like, what the hell are you doing calling me? But. Did you receive the call, Rich? Two I know. Uh, I don't know. I don't answer my phone. You don't Montana. answer your phone. You were the first comic I heard of who had moved to Montana, and I asked people, "I go, why did Rich Hall move to Montana?" And they go, "Well, Rich Hall just doesn't want to be around people unless he has to be around people, and that's why he <laughs> yeah. lives in Montana." And then, and then Harris shows up, <laughs> and then a comic moves yeah, I in. Come off the plane one day, and there's Harris. Hey, guess what? I live here now. Oh, <laughs> great, great. You know, Best this thing that ever happened to him. And then Letterman moved up there. Letterman used to say to me all the time, well, what do you do up there? Why up there? And then the next thing I know, he's living there. It's a beautiful place. It is, Montana yeah. is, is stunningly beautiful. Did you with him up there? Or? Oh, no, but one time I did the show, and uh, I'm doing it on a Thursday afternoon. And uh, so you, you take the Friday show. He would do two shows on Thursday, so his Friday uh, shows take late Thursday. And uh, so I'm on that show, and then do some stand-up, and then I'm sitting down, and they go to a commercial. And this is this is Letterman in a nutshell. He's going, Reggie, man, I, he's, he's, what what part of Montana do you live in again? Like he's initiating the conversation. He goes, I said, I, I live near, um, uh, I live in Livingston. He went, oh yeah, what's that near? I went, that's near Bozeman. And I hadn't even bought a ticket home yet. So yeah. I, and I so I said uh, I said to him, this is all within the course of like thirty seconds. And I said, uh, uh, where do you live? And he he says the name of the town. And I said, uh, oh, you must fly into Great Falls. And in my head, I'm think, you know, I'm thinking, oh, how am I gonna get home? He says. I said, what airline flies into Great Falls? And he just says, uh, so I immediately realized he's got a private jet. Uh. So I jumped, because I only have 30 seconds before they get back on the air. I immediately jumped about eight sentences ahead in logic and said, oh, I could probably rent a car and get from Great Falls back to uh, Livingston. Yeah. And he just, he just says, no. <laughs> <laughs> then we're back on air. Hey, Rich, listen, great having you here. Come back anytime. I don't you you just I'll sit in the back I won't talk just let he wouldn't let you jet. on his private jet would not let no wouldn't give him a ride home wouldn't give him a ride, ride home yeah you're doing the gig together I know I it's know. like doing a gig in upstate New York and you yeah. gotta make it back you into know, the though, city uh, but like Leno I heard a lot of stories about Leno playing Vegas and then finding out you know he would ask his opening act you know what? Uh, hey, you're going back to LA because I got the plane. If you want yeah. to come with me, because he wanted to let everyone know that he had a plane that they, right. that, they yeah. that they gave him a plane and all. I think he asked for for some money for the fuel though. You know what I mean? Like once they <laughs> landed, but uh, kick in. <laughs> yes. I think Jay liked having people around. Though. Yeah, he would. He, did, yeah. Yeah. he liked showing off, but Letterman yeah. was the exact yeah. opposite. Pretty pretty private guy. Yeah. Hey, uh, I want I, I want to go yeah. back to. Uh, uh, the the book uh, I'm dying up I'm, here. I'm dying you know, up. Yeah, sure. Which, if everybody doesn't know, it's about the the famous strike at the uh, at the uh, comedy store in the '70s, and yes. uh, uh, a comedian committed suicide. Jim Carrey bought that book, and he's doing a show right now, an anthology series about the comedy store and comedy in the '70s, '80s, '90s, or up to today. And he bought that book not to make the whole book into a movie but to utilize some of the stories that are in there so did you, did you know that i think you told me that yeah yeah but i yeah. quickly forgot it no no but he, it's it's i think it's for showtime you know you know it could be frightening like if you know somebody goes up for a part is them and they go no we need a younger you a prettier you a well dom you. dom Irera got cast in it you know dom's uh, cast in it uh yeah uh uh jim was at the has been hanging around the store a lot and 
has been picking guys and seeing you know some old school comics and putting them in it. So it should be pretty cool, pretty interesting. It's one of the first things that Jim Carrey, uh, you know, got behind as a producer. You know what I mean? And and uh, he's a, producing a lot of different people. You, you know, uh, uh, Russell Crowe's uh, company bought the uh, the rights. He's to funny, by the way, Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe is funny. No, no, he's not funny. But he, but here's the weird thing: is that he, his company, bought the rights to uh, Bill Hicks' life. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, now there was talk that he was going to play Bill Hicks. That he was going to play Bill Hicks because a number of years back, I, I knew Bill and I knew his mom, you know, rather well. And I, I was calling her trying to get the rights. And she's a very nice woman. She goes, "Well, Tony, we would sell them to you, but another fellow wants them." Okay. <laughs> yeah. Russell Crowe. That, like, okay, that's right. so funny that you mentioned him because I was joking when I said he's funny because you just don't think of him being funny. But Joan Dangerfield, somebody uh, wrote a script about Rodney Dangerfield in development, and I asked her, "Oh, who who do you see playing Rodney?" And she said, "I love Russell Crowe to play him." And I'm thinking, "Wow, he's uh, nothing like you know. Maybe that's just a dream or a head." But I was thinking more like Paul Giamatti or you know, he should a play both. Like he, that. he could play Dangerfield introducing. Bill Hicks. <laughs> Russell Crowe could do both. Yeah, it'd, be an, it'd be an acting tour de force. Right. Like none it, of is, it is not possible for an I'm actor. Gluteus to. Maximus, general to the Northern Army and true Emperor Marcus Aurelius. Father the, to a murdered son, husband to a murdered wife, brother to a stinky hoe. And I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. I, I think I think we have. I think we have. Um, if we're going to have do the Russell Crowe life story, yeah. I think we have the man who will now play Russell Crowe, and that's going to be you. I don't know. No, Harry, you know what? I'm going to write him to do a treatment. I'm going to see if I can no, get a see deal. It, we'll put see if he can throw a phone. Give him a phone and see if he can throw <laughs> it. <laughs> oh, yeah, he threw a phone. It. Oh, was he threw it a phone at him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Desk clerk. Yeah, he's a so the, crazy man. The that, crazy killed, man. that killed his nomination for Cinderella Man, you know what I mean? Oh, it kind yeah. of hurt the movie Cinderella, really? which was a good movie, good boxing movie, but uh, it didn't really get many yeah, but award it, nominations, you know? Would that, would that affect whether you go see a movie or not? You go, oh, I'm not going to go see a movie. That guy threw a phone. No. No. Course, no. That, that, no. That's crazy. This I'd is, pay extra for that. You pay, you pay extra money. You have to do things like that to advance. You can look at Robert Downey Jr., that yeah. guy's highest paid actor in show business now. In and out of jail. Oh, yeah. yeah good career. He couldn't moves. even ruin his career. Yeah, it's amazing how some things could just totally ruin a guy forever and then like you know like everyone loves Alec Baldwin and they'll just like he could yell at his daughter and say the, the horrible things that he said he could hit people or do whatever yeah. he wants and people will forgive him now now Mel Gibson Don't it just seems like piss off the Jews yeah, yeah. You, you can't do that you can't <laughs> piss off yeah, the you Jews say anything you but don't piss off the Jews yeah, yeah, yeah. once you do that yeah. it's never over. forget never forget <laughs> you know <laughs> But you know, it's it's kind of a shame because he's such a talented guy, and 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 Alec know, Baldwin, no, uh, Mel, Mel Gibson. Mel, well, they both are, but Mel Gibson made some stupid mistakes while he was drunk, or well, or on a private phone call with his wife. I mean, you know, yeah. it uh, goes beyond that. I mean, it, it, with with some people with Mel Gibson is that he's a, he's an arch he's part of an arch conservative uh, uh, religious order that uh, has some controversial views yeah. about Judaism and religion, and, and that was kind of known for a while. Yeah. So once... I think there was a comment where his father said that the, that they uh, fabricated the Holocaust, that it yeah. was all propaganda, yeah. you know, that it didn't happen. And that, that's kind of a controversial yeah. subject yeah. in some circles. Yeah. In some circles, <laughs> that, that yeah. scene is problematic. Speaking of controversial subjects, I want to get back to this week that I worked with you. This is a podcast. We can say whatever we want. Oddly oh. enough, what we discovered is that you know, in our, our quest to be a little creative, we decided not just to sit here and, and uh, you know spew filthy invectives all day. No but, point. Oh, but but <laughs> if if Harris wants to retell the the uh, Steve Sharippa story, it wasn't hell that he said. It was what the fuck what are the you doing here? Yes, it in was. Montana. His <laughs> language is peppered with four-letter invective at all Constantly. times. Constantly. Tony fucking Fisick, fucking club owner, comic. What what are you anyway? He used to give me so much of a hard time because at the time I owned a nightclub and um, I was producing a play and I was a comic. And he goes, how many fucking hats can you fit on that little pointer? And in the meantime, <laughs> he's sneaking off, taking acting classes. Yeah. He didn't want anyone to know. Yeah. He didn't want anyone to know. He's doing multiple things. We worked together. He for took a, classes? Yeah. He, oh. he, he flew. To, yeah, he did. Yeah. All right. <laughs> The week that we worked together, you did a uh, bit, and uh, we could talk as a pot. And first off, anybody listening, if you want to see a great show, you want to see Rich Hall, I found you uh, to be one of the funniest people I'd, I'd ever watched, whether I was a comic or not. As a comic, I enjoyed you. As an audience member, I enjoyed you. And I enjoyed watching you either get 
almost a standing ovation or walk half a room. <laughs> when you did it, first off, you did this kind of funny, silly joke where you had a bag with candy bars in it. All right. And you pull out candy bars and make it up a story. But then all of a sudden, as you're doing it, you go, and then I called this buddy of mine, and he's a real cunt. Do you know this? Do you remember this bit? No, no, you don't remember this bit? No. no. <laughs> all right. So, uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and the audience gasps. Because it is during, you know, because there's always a word that is going to just shut everybody down. I mean, it changes over the years what word yeah. that is. Yeah. You know, that audiences go, oh, well, this is the word. And uh, you looked at the audience and go, that's right. I said it. I said cunt. And, the audience, <laughs> and you're, you're a couple of people in the back who kind of go, ah, ah, like those crazy people laughing. Like you laugh yeah. and you're going to get hit in the head with an axe. Yeah. And you go, see, the problem is the word, we give it too much power. Oh, you know, all right. You, do you, is this bit coming now, to you I now? Now I remember where this used to go. You remember <laughs> oh. word for word. <laughs> no, no, Are you no, trying no. to get me to do this bit? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't pretend <laughs> no, to be wool gathering with your no. mind as sharp as a surgeon. Now I remember. <laughs> no, I remember. I'm, I'm sitting in the back and I look at him and go, what the hell did he just say? And... Uh, and you keep using the word over and over and over, yeah. you know? And as you're doing it, uh, what you were able to do was begin to get the audience on your side. Yeah. As you go, it's just silly. He goes, you say, if you use it like a silly word, if you, you go, if you step on something, go, wow, what kind of cunt did I step on? Yeah. Call your friend. And by the end of it, you have the whole, you had the whole room, the majority of the time, or the majority of the room, roaring. Yeah. And they were with you. They were with you 110%. You go, so see, folks, it's just a word. And we got to get it out to the public that words only have power if we get it to them. So I want you to come back tomorrow night and bring all your nigger friends. <laughs> that was the bit. Yeah. <laughs> it was... It was brilliant. Uh, Boy, I really thought that we had to watch our language, and he <laughs> said the c word like I said the c word and the n word like you know. Uh, you know what? I'm a big I'm a big believer in this. I'm a big believer in context, especially we're, we're starting to see. I consider myself a liberal, all right, mm -hmm. and I know a lot of people consider themselves to be liberals, and we're starting to see this weird twist in liberalism, where at one time it was about open mindedness and freedom of speech and mm -hmm. free thought, and you're beginning to see a shutdown of it a little bit. And yeah, it, particularly amongst younger people. I mean, oh, I think I read something about Jerry Seinfeld saying he won't play colleges yeah, anymore. Yeah, there was a big article about and, a bunch uh, of yeah. And then in London last week, Jermaine Greer was supposed to come in and do a, a talk at a university. And because she has some views about transvestites that, that some liberals don't agree with. She transgender people. Yeah, transgender. Yeah, transgender, yeah. right. Um, they, they said, no, we don't want her to talk because she's mean to transgender yeah. people. But, and basically what she said is, you're not real women. Yeah. Speaking as a, a you know, at the forefront of women's rights, she just said, no, you're not real women. We're real women. We have a vagina. We're real women. And you're then, not a real woman. And because of that, they, they tried to shut, they, they tried to block her from. They tried from, to shut that down. So I'm, I'm a big believer in something contextual. I mean, it's the issue that you probably could not read uh, Mark Twain's Huckleberry Finn out loud in a lot of, coll a lot of college campuses right now. Yeah. Because of uh, um, uh, the common use of the N-word. Yeah. So I believe in context. So I was talking about this brilliant bit that you did. And it's my podcast. You know, and, and I pay the rent for it. So, uh, and I thought it was there's just. Some, uh, there's the, some uh, people gathering outside. <laughs> <laughs> now, now to get back to get back to Mark Twain, do you know how many times yeah. that word that frightens you appears in Huckleberry Finn? Um, no, how many? Four hundred and fifty-one times. Four, and it's one of the greatest anti-slavery uh, books ever written. Uh, many yeah. black scholars. There's a show on PBS. They just praise it. Yeah. Their first instance in the world where a black person was the protagonist of a book. Yeah. First time. Sure. Sure. That we know of. There might have been a book, you know, in Rhode Island in 1695, but it got burned. Find it. Find <laughs> it. Just find it. I also want to say, Tony, that you remember Hall's bit about uh, that word yes. so well that it makes me think that eventually <laughs> you made it part of your own work. No, no. I, but I, I've, I've often shared it with people as, as a comic that I saw that was able to take a room and... Uh, and uh, just play with the room in an incredible way it was almost it was it wasn't so much a manipulation but it was a, somebody who was a performer go i'm going to do something here that maybe that the stage is is actually far beyond just being silly yeah. and having fun yeah. well i have to say it was i don't know what was going through i must have really thought i had that crowd because that's that's the kind of thing you would do in san francisco or basement in new york but uh, in las vegas i must have really <laughs> I, must, I was probably drunk <laughs> who would think you know yeah 
or Steve wasn't in the room or something. No, Steve well, was not in the room. Came room. from the UK, where that word. Yeah, yeah, that word means nothing. No, it's, it's a term of endearment in the UK. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think you mentioned that you bit too. So you, you, in the in the UK, you can't say Fanny. That's that's what's amazing about the UK. <laughs> you you can, can't say Fanny. No, people they re, what, Fanny in the UK. It's all backwards. <laughs> in, in the UK, uh, Fanny means so the, the back woman's you vagina. Can, yeah. Oh. So if you say Fanny, it's like what? You'll hear somebody go. What that cunt just said? He just said Fanny. <laughs> you you uh, you play London a lot. You play yeah, England a lot. You're, yeah, uh, I was uh, I was on stage two nights ago in London. Whenever uh, we've uh, interviewed a few uh, comics from from the UK or played the UK, and everybody talks about you and how popular you are there, you're popular here, but you're you have a big following in London. What do you think is the difference between England, and the United States, as um, far as stand up goes? I, I think in, in Britain. Um, there's such a miserable bunch of people that they really <laughs> appreciate your laughter. Just a whining, self-hating, whinging, sad, sad nation of people. Uh, no patriotism. You can't even pretend you're patriot because that's been, you know, more or less taken over by the skinhead. So they're just, you know, they, they ruled the world and then they lost it all. And they haven't gotten over it. So consequently... Uh, 23 hours of the day, they're just miserable pricks. But for that hour that they're in a room with you, they just love comedy. They love it, and they treat it as an art form right up with music and theater and opera. So it's it's not like you're a, in America, quite often, if you're a comedian, oh, you're, you're a novelty act. It's, we're mm-hmm. still kind of seen as novelty acts, you know? We're, Until you've done an HBO special or something, you're just, you just assume, oh, yeah, you're playing, you know, the Chuckle Hutch, whatever. And in Britain... Um, to play theaters, tons of people come out, and they they're genuinely appreciative. And there's a million places you can play. London is just go on every do night. Do you work? Do you work like that every week? Yeah, yeah. Um, I go out and try out stuff all the time, and just local clubs. You know, some of them are or purpose built comedy clubs. Like comedy, there's a comedy store there, mm-hmm. not the same one as in America, but. Do you, do you find that you've gotten recognized more on the street there than 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 you did like even when you were on SNL and not necessarily the news? Oh, uh, by now, yeah, yeah, sure, yeah, by now, because I've put in my time there, yeah. And on SNL, I didn't get, I don't, I would never went out. I I remember reading before I went on SNL, and I was only on for a year, but I remember reading about Belushi and Aykroyd saying that they were they were working on this show all the time, and finally they got a break for like two weeks, and they were out on the street and. It's the first time they realized that anybody was watching the show. Was everywhere they went, people were going, hey, because you're in such an insular world. Hmm. And when I was on, even for that year, we never, you know, you were off on Sunday morning. You were off on Sunday morning, and you slept in, and Monday you had to be back at work. So you never really got any sense of anybody was watching wow. the show. How many yeah, years? Were, how long were you on the show? I was only on for a year. Was on for a we year. Were all, we were yeah. all told we were just there for a year. We were hired who, guns for who a year. Who were the... Uh, other cast members: uh, uh, Billy Crystal, Jim Belushi, Harry Shearer, Chris Guest. Oh wow! Um, it was you know it was a really good year, but everybody knew that 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 um, that, uh, that uh, you know, Lauren was coming back. Oh, this was Dick Ebersol. This was a Dick Ebersol. Uh, Dick Ebersol's last year. Right. And but there was some great stuff. There was some uh, good know. stuff on there, but none of us could stand Dick Ebersol. Mm-hmm. And there was a huge mutiny. And, Harry Shearer came into my office and tried to get me to quit because he wanted to quit. He did quit, actually. Mm-hmm. And uh, He was trying to stage a walkout? Well, he's, he was a bit nuts. You know, he's Harry Shearer. He's very, you know, contrary. You He'd written like a 13-minute sketch, and they cut it down to three, and, and he couldn't <laughs> understand why they weren't running a 13-minute sketch. He was like the same as Michael O'Donohue many years before. He just, you know... What were the years that, uh, not necessarily the news, because not necessarily the news was was a kind of a groundbreaking show. Yeah. Yeah. At what years? I think that was about like 82 to 87, something like that. Who was on that with you? Um, Other people? Um, Lucy Webb. Yeah, Lucy Webb was on. Going to Melanie Chartoff, um, uh, Stuart Pankin, Danny Breen. Yeah, Stuart Pankin, I remember him. Yeah, yeah. Stuart Pankin. Because he, he went up acting in a lot of movies. Very, quite a thespian. Yeah. Very do, you, do you find it, I mean, it, politics nowadays is almost the, the, the comedy itself. Yeah. I mean, it, as we're watching the Republican debates and watching 24-hour 
news cycle. So do you think that kind of, I mean, a show like uh, HBO is not necessarily news, which was kind of a, was that based on, there was an old show when you were kids called That Was the Week That Was. Do you remember uh, that no, show? It, yes. Yeah, yeah, that was a British show. That was David Frost. This was based on a show called Not the Nine O'Clock News Okay. in Britain, which was Rowan Atkinson and, and um, uh, Griff Rhys-Johns. And, um, we didn't really know that, though. I mean, we kind of were aware that there was this British show, but we didn't care. Yeah. And then, so I did the show. And then when I first got to Britain, and then when I was, when I had the Sniglets books out, they walked into my office one day and they said, look at this book, it's called The Meaning of Lift. They just ripped off Sniglets in Britain. And I kind of looked at it and went, eh, you know, I didn't care. Yeah. And that was written by a guy named John Lloyd. And so, I don't know, like seven years ago, I get asked to do this show in Britain called QI that's, that's produced by John Lloyd. And QI is... Uh, since become like the, the the most popular comedy show in Britain, and it's really really good show, and uh, and then one time I was just talking to John Lloyd, and, and he just said to me, he said, "You wrote Sniglets, didn't you?" And I went, "Yeah." And he went, "Yeah, I wrote a book kind of like that." And I went, "Yeah, I know you did. I know you did." But it's all turned around now because his show, that show, is massively. It's hosted by Stephen Fry, and it's a show that's so good that they can't recreate it in America, or they would have years ago, but there's nobody in this country who can host the show who's as good as Stephen Fry. So this this gentleman wrote a book, the concept was loosely based on... Yeah, more or less based on Sniglet. Okay, and you... you but, then, but then he looked at me and he went, well, yeah, you know, the show that you did that on, mm -hmm. that was my show. He created yeah. not the 9 o'clock news. Do you find... Uh, have you followed any of this uh, controversy? There, there's a funny uh, young female comic, Amy Schumer. Yeah. Yeah, and... Um, uh, she just went on in uh, London and... was it? Well, no, where did she do something... 45 minutes and oh she did she did well she their money back. she played 40 yeah she played about 45 minutes and people screamed and yelled she did a theater and she it might Where have been 35 that? or 40 it was here i think it was in yeah. new york oh, because she oh, right. she was going to another theater she had two shows booked on a saturday night right one at like seven one at like nine and she did 35 or 40 minutes yeah. and people uh people were very upset i i guess they expect her to stay up there and well, take a you? shower i would well for i some mean harry tells me to do 45 and i'm lucky if and I think people coming to the show tonight need to know this, that I will do three to four hours. Yeah. On yeah. the first show. On the first show. The second show starts at 10, but probably won't start until one in the morning. One or two, yeah. It'll but actually. Uh, they're selling pillows and, and blankets to, uh, you know, that they could buy. You know, <laughs> I want to just uh, remind people that uh, we're talking with uh, Rich Hall, Harris Pete, and Harry Basil. Uh, two of these, uh, of these three will be performing tonight, along with Amy Blackwell, who's a friend of ours. A very nice woman, very funny woman. Uh, they are at the Scottsdale Laugh Factory, scottsdalelaughfactory.com, at the coolest corner in all of Scottsdaleville, the corner of Scottsdale and Shea. Yeah, it's prime location. Yeah, it's we a got prime some fun guys, too, that you may know uh, coming up. we got Bobby Collins and Charlie Fleischer coming up in December. That's great. Yes. But anyway, uh, enough of that. Um, that's wonderful. That's I really great. It, down down the road. But tonight, <laughs> the important thing to know is that tonight. Pillows. Pillows and uh, no, no, no. It's no. it's it's uh, no, no, no. I won't do three. So I'm there's gonna... been controversy over her supposedly taking someone's joke. <coughs> you think this is getting a little insane right now? I mean, there was a time when there was only a couple hundred of you doing stand up. Yeah, there was only two or three hundred people in the from somewhere in the mid seventies to the early mid eighties. There was only a few hundred people doing stand up. I actually uh, watched uh, Rich Scheidner one time watch someone at the Improv and go, I got to stop telling this joke. I go, why? He goes, well, that guy did a joke kind of like mine. And I go, was it your joke? He goes, yeah, but now it'll sound like that, so I'm going to write another joke. Yeah. yeah and I well, watched, it's always when I was right faster than they can steal. Yeah, I watched him and Rick Overton faux arm wrestle over a joke one time. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Whose joke is it? But now, with so many people out there, it seems like it's almost impossible to come up with an idea. Maybe someone's come up with it uh, uh, badly or not as good as you, but come up with an idea similar to yours and... Um, uh, what do you think about this whole thing with Amy? Do you know this thing with Amy Schumer? No, it's, I don't Supposedly know. No. she did um, um, uh, Patrice Neal's, uh, some Patrice Neal joke, uh. but it's kind of a schoolyard joke. Yeah. I mean, what are your thoughts What's on... The joke? The joke is about different sexual positions and naming them like a, Steveling, a, a Cleveland steamer, which I'm still, I don't know what it is, mm -hmm. right. but it's like, it's like, it's like a, a name for some sort of weird sexual act. And she goes, it no, even... That was my old uh, wrestling name when I was... Cleveland Steamer? Yeah. I remember I was, that, yeah. Yeah. I used to bet on you, and then I found yeah. out they were fixed. That most of your... <laughs> I found out all your fights were fixed. That's how you got into stand-up comedy. As a wrestler, which was a pristine a pristine uh, uh, endeavor, that yours yeah. were fixed. 
I suppose, um, yeah, I think... You had to change your name to Rich Hall and become a comic. I did, yeah, yeah. So the Cleveland Steamer, so the joke is... Uh, The joke is that she goes, and there's even one called the the Houdini, and that's where a guy is is taking a woman from behind, and he, he slips out, and his friend secretly slips into her, then he runs outside and waves to her, waves to her through the window. Well, to be honest, that is the story I've heard about a British comedian who actually did that, not as a routine, but actually did that. Uh, well, all comics have done that, yeah, but who yeah. had the, the guts so that, to well, talk about not, it? That's not an original. That's a, it's not an original. It's not an original, not original, original joke. joke. It's, yeah. a, it's a, somewhere along the line, somebody first thought of that, and yeah. that person is probably dead now. Yeah. I mean, they say a lot of great jokes get written in prison. By the time you hear them, they're they're out there in the public, you know. So. Yeah. Well, she's been castigated mightily for it. Well, oh, so. man, that's like such a jokey joke. I know. Yeah. Well, uh, the yeah. first off, she does it on her special, and that's kind of weird because it is a jokey joke. Yeah. And then people say that she stole it from Patrice Neal. How do uh, you're in London a lot? How are they view, uh, How are they viewing there our whole political situation here? Do they look at it at all with any interest? Yeah. Oh, they're very much interested in it. Yeah. yeah. Because they love. Um, they love to. You know. I mean, they just would look at some one like Donald Trump and just go, what is wrong with you people? And they, they have a perfect right to do that. What <laughs> is wrong with this? What is wrong with him? Did you see his thing yesterday, his 95-minute just tirade and uh, just scream? Go, what's wrong with the people of Iowa? Are you stupid? Yeah. <laughs> it was a brilliant... It has great entertainment value, but it's way too early in the election. And, and, you know, I mean, history has pretty much always had one front runner for a while, and then they stumble, and then somebody else comes up to... Yeah, but they're trying to help him stumble. Yeah. I was watching Fox News this morning, and they were all over that stuff from last night. Uh, He's not going to need any help to stumble from these people. You know, American people will figure it out. I mean... Do you think? I believe that um, American people, as much fun as you make of them, in terms of, uh, you know... uh, watching a presidential race unfold. At the moment they actually get into the voting booth, they they generally get some common sense. Because you're thinking, is this the guy I want running the country? Is this the woman I want running the country? And too many times they've picked a, you know, the, the, the safe bet. <laughs> yeah. People yeah. You say people too many too yeah. many times they pick the safe bet. Is that what you just said? Do you think they and, and they start thinking, you know, they start picturing a nuclear bomb going off. Well who's the guy that you want, you know, with the, the the nuclear code, is it Donald Trump? No, no. No, you don't want to. You, you don't want, want anybody with it. Yeah, you don't want anybody so with it. But then, then you, it becomes you want, the, you want the person who you think is going to have the most common sense when 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 it comes down to crunch time. You Do know? you think we want Ben Carson to have the nuclear code? I don't think. No, I think he'd forget it. <laughs> well, see now, now, Ben to me is the interesting one. Okay, because here's a guy. Who is a a pediatric neurosurgeon. That's correct. Okay, how many people can operate on the brains of babies? Well, we need... Well, we don't get enough of a chance. Maybe if all four of us were allowed, we might be good at it. I'd make a muck of it, I promise you. But anyhow, (laughs) so this guy can do that. And There are some places in Thailand for like maybe $500. Yeah. Well, if I'm in charge, I would tell him, no, you can't retire if you can do this. He wants to be president? Any chucklehead can be president. The last four proved that. You know, we need him doing what he can do. <laughs> operate on them babies. When's Save the last them time he operated babies. On someone? I mean, is, is he retired or when was... No, he's just tired. Okay. <laughs> Why couldn't you do both? You, you know, you could keep your practice going. And the, imagine coming in the Oval Office and getting trepanned or whatever it is. That might make it a, a brilliant, like, uh, you know, how the president will come out and uh, speak to the American people. Go, Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, the president of the United States. And Ben Carson comes out and he's operating on a baby's head yeah. while he's talking to us about economic policy. Sure. That's a world lead. <laughs> and every once in a while he goes, and I think if we can get the deficit down, yeah. that might be a good idea. Why not? Um, this is probably the first time that you've got a guy running for president who's upset that people don't believe that he tried to hit his mother in the head with a hammer. Oh, right, and he tried to stab someone, yeah. He's and he said it was stopped what? by a belt buckle. Yeah. Who was this? Uh, I, I didn't ben Carson. Uh, apparently, yeah, apparently he's trying to make, he was trying to tell some story about how he could have gone the wrong way. He once tried to stab someone. and, and uh, Well, there's a litany and then, of, yeah. of, of and then, Now people are saying, no, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. And then they interviewed all his childhood friends and said, no, he was a normal kid. So now you have a situation where you have a, a black man trying to deny... Mm-hmm. That that he did commit 
not committed. He, he, he's so. trying to say, no, I really did. So I'm, in in his book, what he's, what he's pointing out, he's saying that he had a white light religious experience that changed him from probably a life of crime and juvenile delinquency. Yeah. And and then put him on the path that he's now on. That's yeah. his book, which is, um, uh, what is it, something hands. But I heard he... People are saying that he stole that from Patrice O'Neill. He stole it from basically <laughs> his, his his. Well, he got it from Amy story. Schumer. Yeah, she yeah. was working it out at the Comedy yeah. Cellar one night. Rich Voss had given her the premise, and mm. uh, so I don't see it being Ben Carson. I don't see it being any Republican. No, uh, I don't see it being any Republican either. Hillary Clinton, unless she does something spectacular to go off the rails. No, she got it made. Dead women are going to get out of the grave to vote for her. You know that. So you think they'll vote for her, Fanny? No, I think. <laughs> well, that's what you got to worry about. Is she yeah. could. She wears those pantsuits, man. She's hiding something. She's probably got a gun up her. She can have a gun up her vagina. You think so? I'm sitting there across from Angela Merkel. Because <laughs> Angela Merkel definitely has a gun up her vagina. <laughs> so they'll both be just sitting there I'm each told. other. 44, Cross legs. Boom. Something's going to happen. You know, she's... I don't know. Rich, don't know. You, you were in London two days ago. Yes. And I talked to Paul Hopp, the, uh, the manager of the Laugh Factory. And he told me that you had you had two days without any sleep and flew right here to do. I rocked shows. in last night at six. I got into Sky Harbor at six forty. I was on stage at eight thirty. Yeah. They, now I'm assuming I'm assuming the man. That's was the a, kind of you are Spartan that I am. You have a home in Montana. You work regularly throughout the world. You don't need the money. Okay. Was it this man, Harry Basil? Yeah, don't. That why <laughs> would you say that in front of the man paying me? Because yes, <laughs> no, I do need the money. <laughs> He got look two kids. He broke. <laughs> look at him. Look at him. Oh, he doesn't need the money? Oh, great. Well, I'm not saying you don't want uh, the money. I'm not, I'm not. No, I'm definitely not doing it for the money. I'm doing it because I always wanted to see the 7,000 corner of East Shea Boulevard <laughs> for myself. And I'm actually getting paid to. To look at to that corner. The coolest corner in the, all of Scottsdaleville. Uh, yeah. Prime location. It is a prime location. Yeah. You guys need to play up where you are more because everybody, everybody in town knows who that is. Because people want to go there. They want to be part of that scene, man. Yeah. See, this is the second coolest corner, Goldwater and Camelback. Right. And that is the coolest corner. Do you have children? I just heard that. I do have children, yeah. You have you have children. How yeah. old are they? Ten and two. Ten and two. Are you currently married? Yes. <laughs> I don't know. You might have gotten a divorce. Two-year-old kid. The least he could do is stick around for two years. <laughs> he has a beautiful wife and two beautiful children. <laughs> yeah. You say it's two beautiful wives and a beautiful child? I'm getting confused here. Uh, I, I have How long have you been married? Ten years. Ten years? Yeah. You want to do a little math there? I've got a ten-year-old and a two-year-old. I've been married ten years. I, I, I figured that out. Although, you know, the ten could go either way. A ten-year-old with a ten-year marriage could go either way. Mm-hmm. Okay? Because it could be right on the cusp someplace there. Yeah. Harris, do you have children? Mercifully, no. No? no. Wife? No. no. No? Cousins? Yeah, I have cousins. <laughs> uh, two brother, cousins, and friends all over planet Earth. <laughs> I'm, you know what? I'm so glad you guys came in. I mean, when when Paul called and he goes, "Hey, uh, you know," he said, "Rich is getting in late." And from the moment that I saw that you were that you were coming in, I said, "I said well, I would love to be able to have a conversation with him," and just uh, because, like I said, I, I've seen a lot of comics, uh, a lot of comics, yeah. And um, the crowd is getting pretty big out there. They're huge, yeah. Wow. Pitchforks and, you know, it's it's the Republicans coming after me. I I'm the I'm the token Democrat mm-hmm. in this state. I am. This is a very Republican state, isn't it? It's it's fairly it's it's getting a little purplish in, yeah. in spots, but it is a fairly Republican state. So I'm the token Democrat. They all tolerate me to go. Oh, let's let the Democrat in. Maybe he'll dance. Yeah. So um, from the moment that I heard you were coming in, like I said, of all the comics I watched, you were one that I watched every night that I worked with you in Vegas, and I'm glad you came in. I know you guys were tired. I know you did a show last night, and that you took the time to do this. I just really well, appreciate this was it. Fun and uh, and. If you have haven't seen Rich uh, Hall live, you got to come see him. It's absolutely hysterical. Tonight, uh, two shows: Saturday, two shows, and Sunday, seven o'clock show. Are you going to do a guest set at all, Harry? No, not this because week. I saw. You. I was afraid that he wasn't going to make it last night, so I actually, <laughs> I actually, I actually had my my Superman cape and my and an egg. <laughs> That's why I was wearing a suit last night because yeah. I was like, oh geez, oh, right. if he doesn't, if he's late, because because he doesn't have a cell phone, you know, and Harris. Harris doesn't have a cell phone. And either. Harris drove in Harris from Montana. Says, I drove Harris, here from Montana. Wait a second. I found this out today. Harris has his house phone with him. Do you he, have your house phone with you? Br- yeah. He brought Do you know what whole, year it is? The yeah. whole house phone with him because he has this, this thing that he plugs the house phone into that creates it to be a cell phone. Like a Vonage yeah. thing? Yeah. So, yeah. 
So well, yeah, I mean, there's two types of people in Montana: very, very rich, and people who like live in a trailer that's covered with a Confederate flag well, in I, a bunker I, someplace. I don't have the flag, but I live in a trailer. But make no mistake. I am not trailer trash. I am mobile dwelling debris. <laughs> the highest form of mobile resident. <laughs> when I saw him on the phone, it reminded me of Steve Martin and Bowfinger, that scene where yeah. he's pretending to be on a, a cell phone, but he has a receiver to like a, a corded house phone and it's just <laughs> kind of dangling there as he's talking. But it's just, that's the first time I had ever seen that. You know? Well, the, the world goes its way, I go mine. There you go. I, talk, I talked to Paul last week, he goes, well, uh, Harris is driving in from Montana, and Rich is flying from London. So I go, I go. We got to have him on. We got. I said, I just, I just reread the book and saw Harris's his name. I got to see Rich Holland. Then I heard you were going to be here. We, uh, I saw you about three or four months ago at the Laugh Factory, and mm. I hadn't seen you perform since the '80s, and you hadn't missed a step. It was a great show. Although it was I'm a fun sl- show. Slightly larger. Didn't miss a step. Didn't change a line. Oh, there's a lot <laughs> he, of new bits. He changed yeah. a couple of. The, he changed some lines. Yeah, the Superman bit that. is now the Superman five. Listen to me. Bit. I'm lucky that they keep remaking movies. You know what I mean? Like, like I opened with James Bond. Well, James Bond just came out last week. So it's a, brand, a pistol, it's a brand new bit. It's a brand new bit. It's all right, man. I know you guys got to. I know you got to get some food in your stomach and take probably a comedy pre-show uh, nap. So uh, and they have good food at the uh, Laugh Factory too. So you oh, yeah, delicious food, tacos and burgers and stuff like that. There, real so. good burger. We were. Yeah. That's the difference between a rock band and a comedian, right there. You'd never say to. You'd never be interviewing a rock music. I know you got to take a pre-show nap, so I'm going to let you go. <laughs> What Mr. would you say Mr. to a rock Tyler, band? Mr. Tyler. <laughs> well, Mr. Mr. Jagger, Tyler, you, you might say that to Mr. Tyler now. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, what, he takes but, naps now, totally. Yeah. Does he? Yeah. yeah. Foley does his nap. Guys who did a lot of bloated stuff just sleep the rest of their lives. They're just trying to catch up the entire time. Uh, Are they? I, I uh, Oh, I read a great review the other day. In, in, uh, Phoenix Man, Vincent Fernier, and Motley Crue, uh, Alice Cooper and, and Motley Crue are on tour. And Alice Cooper is just blowing them out of the water. Yeah. Like completely out of the water. That's the opening act. And Motley Crue can't follow him anymore. Wow. No, it, well, I mean, Vince is, is, a, is a consummate professional. He's yeah. a Phoenix, he's a Phoenix uh, yeah. native. And, yeah. and he had a place. I don't know if, I don't know if Alice Cooper Town is still open. He had a place here. But, you know, he, he lived out, you know, as we know, he lived in L.A. in Laurel Canyon. Yeah. He went out there and, and did his thing. And Zappa produced him. And uh, they did very well. I don't know if you were a fan of, of theirs when you were a kid. Of course I was, yeah. I saw when Killer came out, when they're out that was their second album. Yeah. Uh, maybe their third, and, and I, I saw them. Incredible show, incredible sound. Yeah. Uh, Under My Wheels is still one of my favorite songs. And the guy got sober early enough yeah. that he, he maintained his chops and is very is a very smart businessman. Yeah. And I had the opportunity to meet him one time. I was um, uh, doing business with an advertising company, and he was shooting a commercial. And we, uh, we shot the breeze about... Uh, being former drinkers and druggers and, yeah. and moving forward. So, yeah, of course he's going to blow uh, Motley Crue out because Motley Crue has still never quite gotten it together. And this guy, <laughs> this guy know. is Dave. You know, it's one of our good friends uh, lives in the Valley is uh, um, Dave Ellison, who was the uh, uh, bass player for Megadeth. Right. And who's now, like, cleaned up. Yeah. And you actually see the shows, and they're actually a little better than yeah. they were, you know, back in their heyday because then they were just so loaded they would uh, fall apart. So, yeah, Vince yeah. is doing great. You know, so he's and you know why he does great because he takes a nap before he takes a pre-show nap. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, guys, thank you so very much for coming in. We appreciate it. Go out and catch these very funny men. Two shows tonight, two shows tomorrow, one show Sunday at the Laugh Factory, ScottsdaleLaughFactory.com. You listen to this American Podcast Comedy Edition. We will be right back. That's life. That's life. That's what all the people say. You're riding high in April, shot down in May. But I know I'm gonna change that tune. When I'm back on top, back on top in June, I said that's life. That's life. And as funny as it may seem, some people get their kicks stomping on a dream. But I don't let it 
let it get me down Cause this fine old world, it keeps spinning around I've been a puppet, a pauper, a pirate, a poet A pawn and a king I've been up and down and over and out And I know one thing Each time I find myself Flat on my face I pick myself up and get back in the race That's life That's life I tell you, I can't deny it Thought of quitting, baby But my heart just ain't gonna buy it And if I didn't think it was worth one single try I'd jump right on a big bird And then I'd fly I've been a puppet, a pauper, a pirate, a poet A pawn and a king I've been up and down and over and out And I know one thing Each time I find myself Laying flat on my face I just pick myself up And get back in the race That's life That's life That's life And I can't deny it Many times I thought I'd cut out But my heart won't buy it But if there's nothing shaking come this here July I'm gonna roll myself up in a big ball and What a better way to uh, close out than with the chairman of the board himself, Francis Albert Sinatra. That was fun. That was, um, you know, there's, um, it's always a little weird for me when someone's in who I'm like a fan of. And I was always a fan of Rich Hall's long before I got in a, not long before I got in stand up, but yeah, years before I got in stand up, I used to see Rich Hall and go, that guy is a funny guy. So it's a little odd for me um, as opposed to um, when I have someone funny who uh, started after me or is a contemporary when I have someone who I'm uh, uh, not intimidated, but maybe that to go, wow, this guy is this. He's one of those guys that could eviscerate you with a phrase if he so decided. He's that smart. He's that quick. And I think it's cool that he flew all the way from London, you know, nonstop and came in as doing this show at this really cool club with his really good friends. So um, when you get a chance to listen to this, this was a real treat for me. I hope it was a treat for you. That was Rich Hall and Harris Pete and Harry Basil on this American Podcast Comedy Edition Special Edition. We will be with you tonight, ladies and gentlemen, from the Tempe Center for the Arts. We'll be doing a live podcast of the Grandparents versus Grandkids comedy show tonight at 7.30. Until then, uh, be safe if you feel like it. If not, do something crazy. Bye-bye.